welcome to Before the Come Up. In this podcast, I sit down with a different member of the Columbia Business School class of 2023 each week. I learn about their backgrounds, their upbringings, and things that motivate them and drive them. I hope you enjoy this episode. Let's get right into it. Welcome to another episode of Before the Come Up. I'm so excited to be joined by Sophie. Sophie, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, uh, I feel very honored to be on this podcast. <laughs> I've seen it on Slack for a while, and now I'm finally on the other side. <laughs> yes, incredible. So why don't you start by giving us a little insights into your background? So where are you from? Um, what was it like growing up over there? And uh, kind of give us a little bit of an insight into your childhood and like kind of the things that shaped that. Yeah. So I grew up in Darnstown, Maryland. Uh, the closest city that most people reference is Bethesda or Potomac. Uh, I am a DC sports fan, not a Baltimore sports <laughs> fan, uh, which has been a tough, a tough road. You know, we have had name changes and scandals and a lot of loss uh, as a DC sports <laughs> fan. Um, but I, I think the biggest thing that shaped my childhood and growing up in the Maryland area was I have three younger siblings, grew up in a suburb, and so it was a lot of just running around the neighborhood, and a lot of the families that lived near us also had a lot of kids, so I feel like a lot of my childhood was unsupervised time spent outside, Mm. um, which in this day and age, it seems crazy to imagine letting kids just out wandering, Um, but I think how it is how i think i see that play out today is i can entertain myself for hours because that's what we did we weren't really big into video games or anything like that it was a lot of making up games to play outside uh and always with the aspect of competition so i think it built like a very creative and a very competitive side to me love that oh my gosh that's interesting we're gonna like dive into that a little bit later but Quickly, just tell me the story behind your name. Sophie? Both. Okay, so what's actually fascinating is my real name is Sophia. So you look me up on LinkedIn. My email is, I think it used to be Sophia on Outlook. I had to get it changed. And I guess my mom always wanted to name me Sophie, but my dad thought Sophie was too informal. So he was like, no, let's give her Sophia. And now all that it has done is caused a little bit of friction where people who see like my passport or any employer or my ID are a little confused with the Sophie Sophia because they're so similar. They're like not different enough really for Sophie to be a nickname for Sophia. Um, I keep thinking that maybe I'll start going to going by Sophia when I get like older and more professional. It hasn't happened yet. Yeah. Um, it's more of like my barometer for if somebody actually knows me or doesn't. Mm. Like some people will hit me up on Outlook and be like, hey, Sophia. And I'm like, oh, okay, so you don't know who I am. Or you're reaching out via LinkedIn. And that's kind of my like, do you actually know me? Right. Like, do you know me socially? Or do you know me like kind of through LinkedIn or other like things like that? So that's kind of the story behind the Sophie Sophia. Um, My last name is Italian and actually is an Italian word. Uh, I think it means secret. My dad's side of the family is Italian. 
I've seen it. I don't know what conjugation of secret it is. I've seen it a couple places in Italy, like segreti, and then like the word for entrance, like secret entrance. Um, or there, somebody sent me a blog that was like Italy segreti, like secret Italy. Uh, but yeah, those are. I think that's kind of like the background behind behind my name. Gosh, you, gosh, you, nice. So. Growing up, you have an Italian dad, you know, yes. heritage. And so how about your mom's side? She, I would say, is like a lot of Irish and then a lot of just mm-hmm. European. <laughs> the common, just like white European. Right. So as a kid, what did you want to be when you were older? So what I'm getting is that, yeah. you know, you guys are very creative, you know, making your own games. And I'm, you know, from just knowing you a little bit, right. I, I know you as a very creative person. So do you think that also had a, a role to play later on? Yes. I think I was split between one, thinking that I could at one point be a professional athlete. Mm-hmm. I was a swimmer. Um, and then two, wanting to be like, for lack of a better word, like, an actress or like a director or something like that. So really non-business, non-business dreams. Um, And then I think I just, I also just liked school and still did a lot of the like creative stuff on the side. Um, But I think... Yeah, just, I'm trying to remember when it was. I think in high school, I picked swimming over trying to, like, go out for a play or anything. Um, And I also had a harrowing experience where, you know, when I was, like, 12, would have killed to be on Broadway and realized that I can't sing. And that is a pretty big requirement. Um, And so it broke my heart. And then I, that's when I kind of Like, did Simon Cowell tell you? Like, where did the realization happen? I think it was, like, I I played violin growing up, so I have some command of musicality. Right. And I was trying out for, like, a school musical. And I remember, like, listening to the CD and then trying to sing it. And there were just notes I couldn't hit. So it's not like I don't have an ear. It's yeah. like I have an ear and I realize that I can't go that high <laughs> if I wanted to. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, half Simon Cowell, half... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Half myself. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So, so tell us then, what was your career before CBS? And yeah, um, yeah. Tell us about that kind of journey to get there. Sure. So, I went to college kind of with the idea that I would work in marketing or advertising. Mm-hmm. To me, it seemed like the perfect mix of that creative and business that I. I'd started to really like math in uh, high school. And what I realized when I interned at an advertising agency is those things are fully separate. The creatives and the business side rarely talk to each other. They're almost siloed. And I thought I was going to be able to, you know, like identify a new target audience and then come up with this crazy campaign mm. when really usually how it worked is the client has an idea, they tell you their idea, you back it up with numbers, and then you give it to the creative side. Um, And so when I realized that I didn't think I only wanted to do creative or only wanted to do the business side of advertising, um, I did what everybody does who doesn't know what they want to do, and I went to consulting. <laughs> so I'm sure there are a lot of listeners relating. Oh right yeah. <laughs> also, they were the earliest recruiters on campus, 
which I think is a strategy they use to sweep up talent who could be better served elsewhere uh, and more interesting places. So I ended up at Accenture doing management consulting. After graduating college, I got an offer in their Boston office. I had nothing against Boston, and so I was like, sure. Um, so when did you go to college? Oh, I went to Washington University in St. Louis. Gotcha. Yeah, so a little bit of that Midwest energy. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I forget that St. Louis is in Missouri, which is a crazy place sometimes when I think about the fact that I spent four years living in Missouri. It just doesn't, sometimes I forget. Yeah. Um, but it was great to go to school in the Midwest. I think it pulls, because it is truly the center of the United States, it pulls students from all over. I don't think there were any there wasn't any region that dominated. Like I had friends from Texas, California, like all up and down the Pacific Northwest. Then you had the big Chicago, a lot of people from St. Louis or Kentucky, and then even like the full East Coast, Florida, all the way up to Maine. And so I think I didn't realize what a value that is because now living in New York, going to Columbia, you get a lot of the Northeast. It's very Northeast centric. yeah. Shoot. No, that's really, really interesting. Um, interesting perspective there. So you get uh, sweeped up by yes. you know consulting. Consulting. And I guess at that time, were you already thinking about pursuing an MBA? I guess I'm asking, what yeah. was that thing that ultimately made you think like, hmm, I'm going to go back to school? Oh my God. Honestly, it was. I think it was Beyonce's homecoming thing on Netflix. <laughs> Love that. Because I, when I was in college, I, you know, had this marketing advertising goal, but the dream was to do that either in a sports or entertainment space. Like I applied to all sorts of agencies that focused on like sports campaigns, like the Gatorades, the Nikes, those things. And then also from the music, I applied to tons of record labels hoping to be on their marketing teams. And, um, Uh, Yeah, ended up in consulting. But so I'd always had that dream of wanting to get back to something that was a little bit closer. And watching that production and watching, just feeling how moved I was by it and realizing, I think I was actually, I was on a flight because I was doing consulting. So I was Thursday night flying home from the client site. I downloaded it on my iPad. And I think I started like crying on the plane. I remember the girl next to me was like, oh my God, you're going to love it. And it just like... I was like, this is cool shit, and this is, like, nobody has done this before. And I had a similar feeling when I watched Rihanna's Fenty um, fashion show that aired on Prime, where it was, like, half this music experience, half this fashion thing, and then it also showed all the -the behind-the-scenes work. And I just was like, "There there is room for innovation and, you know, other ways of thinking that, with technology, like both of these were on streaming platforms. And I was like, I could be the business person there. I could be the person who's at Netflix who is finding these ideas, or I could be kind of going back to my original, one of my original loves of sports. I could be doing this for the sports world. I could be finding, you know, non-traditional ways of getting audiences engaged and excited and monetizing it because you know, now I've been a consultant. I realize (laughs) the capitalist value of certain things. And so that was kind of really where I was like, I'm done with consulting. I don't know exactly it is what I want to do. I know that I want to touch these areas that I've been interested in for a long time. And I think that 
to me, it would be worth it to invest in myself to try to get to these places. Yeah, amazing. So what put Colombia on your radar? And yeah. what, you know, informed your decision yeah. to ultimately come here to NYC? Right. Honestly, NYC was the biggest yeah. piece. Like, a lot of the companies I was looking at as, you know, when they say, what's your dream job in three years? What's your dream job in 10 years? We're all based in New York. There is just a lot of energy here in those spaces, like in the entertainment, sports, and tech worlds. Um, and then Columbia is the best business school in New York City. Uh, <laughs> so that was really, that was a huge piece of it was the New York network. Yes. The other thing I think that really stood out to me about Columbia was the executive MBA program. So this, somebody told me when I was applying and like talking to people was that those students as a full-time student are incredibly valuable mm -hmm. because they're actually working at the companies you want to go to wow, yeah. and you might have overlaps with them in class in clubs and you have their email. You're not cold LinkedIn messaging. Yeah. And a lot of the top business schools actually don't have executive MBA programs. Like I don't believe that like a Harvard or a Stanford have those options. And so to me, I, w I then also started looking like, who are the EMBA students? There are currently, and then when I was applying, EMBA students at all of the places I wanted to work. At the NBA, at Sony Music, at Google, at the NFL, like every big company where I was like, I would love to get a job there. There was an executive MBA student there. And so that was another thing that I, I think really put Columbia on the map for me compared to some of the other great schools that exist, because I knew not only would I have this New York network, but I would have this built-in network of actual working professionals in all the industries and companies where I wanted to be. Yeah, yeah, wow. That's actually, that's the first time I've heard that perspective, and it's a really powerful <laughs> one. I'm always thinking about like the things which are kind of overlooked in this incredible right. experience, because mm -hmm. like it's it always feels like drinking from the hydrant, like yes. you can't take advantage of everything. And I think that is a huge one, which I hope people who listen are like, yeah. oh my gosh, let me make the most of oh, that, you know? Every single referral I have had for a job has been from an EMBA. Wow. I have like, and also, working people, I feel like, are a little bit more willing to help you out time-wise because that's just the nature of work. Mm -hmm. School is inherently selfish. And so I found last year, sometimes reaching out to second years mm -hmm. or other first-year students, they're prioritizing themselves because school is just this very selfish period. When you're back in the working world, it's all about favors. Mm -hmm. And so... I just found that they were much more responsive and were always like, yeah, for sure. I have 15 minutes in my calendar. Let's hop on a call. Um, and so, yeah, so I I honestly can't say enough good things about the Embas. <laughs> shout out to the Yeah, Embas shout out to the Embas. Amazing. <laughs> so cool. So um, before we were all second years, I used to ask yeah. people like, hey, like, what do you want to do after your MBA? I'm still asking you that question. Yeah. But I also want to know about your summer. Yeah. And of course, we spent the summer at the same place. We did. <laughs> so just pretend like you're talking to someone who has no clue yes. what it was like at all. Yeah. So, yeah. so I interned at Google this summer. Um, one of the things I learned, you guys are probably like, you said sports and entertainment. What the heck happened? <laughs> um, I had sports and entertainment, but then I also had a functional goal. So coming from consulting, I realized that I think business development and partnerships 
is my ideal function. Would love to do that for a league, for the music space. Would love to do that in you know the aforementioned passions of mine. Um, but I think you know the general advice is that it's pretty hard to switch both function and industry. Take one and run. Also, in the process of recruiting, I came to really love Google um, and all that they had to offer. So I was on the business development and partnerships team within devices and services. And I'd never done business development before, but I just had this hypothesis that it was something that I was going to like because it combines some of those consulting skills with this like negotiating sales aspect. And I loved a lot of the client relations and the people aspect of consulting, but I did not like being in client services. So I was like, I want somebody else to be my client and to be trying to negotiate a deal with me. So I was like, this is where business development thrives. Um, and I, I guess I'm trying to think of how much I'm allowed to say about my summer. (laughs) But I think from like a lot of just very broad strokes, what this team does is look for outside partners for all of Google's devices and services. So for example, one of the biggest deals that they did, that they wrote up about was the deal with Spotify and Google Home. So their little speakers. There was a deal where if you sign up for Spotify Premium, you would get a free Google Home. So that's like the type of work that this team would do. Or similarly, the Pixel is like the official phone of the NBA. Somebody on our team, you know, there's money exchanging hands there. And what's cool I found about business development is you never know which way it'll go. So even though, for example, in this Spotify deal, the customer is getting a free Google Home, somebody is paying for that somewhere. And you have to think, is Google helping Spotify more? Do we have a bigger base? And so should Spotify pay us for those Google Homes? Because now they're going to get all of these customers they didn't have access to? Or is it the reverse? Is Google trying to get the homes out there so they can, you know, match up with Alexa? And so we're going to actually subsidize the cost of those Spotify premium subscriptions. So that's what I found really interesting about the work. And so it was a lot of modeling and a lot of, market research and just kind of really diving into numbers in a way that I found really interesting. Um, Especially since for me, one of my, I guess, not loves about consulting is that sometimes you do something because a client wants it. Whereas this is much more, we're just trying to further Google's business needs. And so I was never doing something that was just busy work because somebody told me it always had an underlying business reason. So I loved that. Then moving on to just the culture of the summer, coming from consulting tech was a little bit like a breath of fresh air. The hours were much more agreeable. I'm a late sleeper. We didn't really start work until 9.30 or 10. If I got in at 9.30, I was usually the first person, which was fun for me. (laughs) And then, you know, you're not burning the midnight oil. Um, I felt like I was working you know, reasonable, but staying challenged. And then there was just the, just the people. I found that both all the CBS interns who were there and all the people I worked with were really concerned EQ wise and about you as a person, which I hadn't had at the workplace before. Um, I feel like there was a day, I think it was the Friday, the Supreme court decision for Roe v. Wade came out And I just, like, couldn't work. I was, like, very upset. My manager was like, I 
completely understand if you need to just log off and take care of your mental health today. Like, there's a lot going on in the world. I get it. Do not worry. And that was something that I honestly couldn't imagine happening at my other companies. And I was working during a lot of times of social unrest and terrible things happening in the world and didn't get any of that grace. And so in the grand scheme of things, this decision, Supreme Court, is smaller compared to some of the other traumas that have gone on. 2020, all this that summer of July 2020, everything, and never had that from a manager before. So to me, that really, really mattered. And also just starting meetings chatting like genuinely somebody being like how was your weekend and not taking good being like no what did you do (laughs) friday saturday sunday i want to know because i care so yeah had a great time both work-wise and people-wise and like really couldn't have couldn't have asked for a better summer oh wow that is so cool to hear love it um so now you're back on campus. Yeah. What are some of the things you'd like to achieve in this last year? Yeah. You know, it's, it's flying by, obviously. Yes. Three big things I want to achieve. The first, this is maybe going to make, I don't know how teachers will feel. I want to really focus on school in the classroom and care a lot less about homework. Mm. I feel like last year I was almost the reverse. Yeah. I found myself feeling like class time, I should be multitasking, checking email. Like, like, I was not fully paying attention in class, but then I would spend a lot of time on homework because I still was under the impression that grades really mattered. This year, I feel like I want to fully do the reverse. Really pay attention in class because this is our last year, you know, unless I am crazy and want to go back for another degree, which I don't think I will. <laughs> um, this is our last year to learn, yeah. and so I want to really sit and pay attention and not be reading the news on my phone or checking my email or trying to get ahead of an assignment in another class. Instead, I just might not do that assignment or give it bare minimum effort. So that's my big goal. It's like throw myself into the academic setting in the classroom, nowhere else. The second thing, I really want to take advantage of like the in-person things. And by that, I mean the in-person speaker and events on campus. Last year, even though we had class in person and all of our social stuff was in person, I feel like a lot of the speaker events weren't in person until the end of the year. And it's just so cool to get to talk to somebody after. So in one of my classes, we had, I think, the president and the chairman of MLS speak, yes, which was so interesting, right up my alley. And then after class, he was just like hanging around. Like you could go down and introduce yourself and ask a question and you just get so much more connection than you had on Zoom. And it's just, that I think is truly the value of A, business school, but B, Columbia where we're in New York and so we can get these insane speakers. Um, And the last thing I want to do is really do the social things that I know will bring me value. I think first year, it's a lot of going to everything because you don't want to miss out. This year, I'm really going to prioritize that which I want to invest my time in because I realized as a working person, you do not have a lot of free time. We have an extraordinary amount of free time as second years. And so really being mindful of where I'm spending that. So for me this year, it was wine class. I was like, I want to get into the wine class. I didn't do it last year. 
I thought that I would, you know, miss some of rugby happy hour, which I also love, but I realized like, no, I would much, I really want to learn about wine. This is such a unique thing. I'm going to do that. So those are kind of my three big buckets. Amazing. Very cool. I love yeah. how you had them ready. That's, oh, that's awesome. I've been, I, I've been intentional. Yes. <laughs> I love some intentionality uh, in a second. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Do you have any hidden talents? Do I have any hidden talents? We already know about your talent of swimming. Yes. Which is probably a hidden one. Yes. No you pools don't, on campus. No pools you know? on campus. Very few pools actually in New York. Right. Um, honestly, like tech, but IT tech in a way where if we're in an Airbnb and we can't get the speaker system to work, I'm your girl. Oh, yeah. If you, you know... If, it's, it's always Airbnb related because it's something you've never encountered before. Yeah. You're like trying to like log on to Netflix. Like I can figure it out. I know how these HDMI cords work. I know who should connect to who. Like that type of AV equipment, uh-huh. I can do and oh, wow. I can figure it out. Yes. That, yeah, most most useful hidden talent by no, far. No, I love that. I, and it's, you, I don't know if you thought about this, but being the oldest sibling, you probably oh. had to like <laughs> set so many VHSs back in the day, oh fix my the God. DVD for the younger sibling. <laughs> like. I still get texts from my family about passwords for streaming services. Oh my goodness, yes. And oh. I send them screenshots of the last time I told them what the password was. <laughs> yes, it never ends. Yeah. It never ends. Incredible. Um, do you have any people that really inspire you? Um, that you really mm. look up to. Mm-hmm. Honestly, my mom. I feel like it's a cheesy answer, but she has had just a very I don't like expansive might not be the word career. In a way where I feel like she is somebody who is always willing to take a risk if it's, she thinks it's something she would like. So, for example, she is a physical therapist, has been a physical therapist for years. And decided, like, you know, when she still had four children in the house, I think I was in college, my youngest brother was still in middle school, that she now wanted to be a professor of physical therapy. So she went back to school and got her PhD so that she could become a professor of physical therapy. And then decided when it was COVID that she was like, I am not a Zoom school person. She has always loved to garden. Went back to school again to become a master gardener. What? Which is crazy. But And she's still practicing physical therapy. Yeah. But it's just like she is somebody who is not afraid to really go after her hobbies or her passions as careers. Like that, I didn't even know that was a thing. But because she was, you know, back in the school space, she, I think, was doing research and realized that that was something she could do. And so it was like, oh, cool. So, you know, when I can no longer practice physical therapy, maybe I will go maintain the gardens of some museum or fabulous estate or something. And it's it's very inspiring because I think sometimes we think you're too late. Like even in business school, I feel like there are people who are on like, quote unquote, the older side, which is not actually the older side. and But like the 30 plus crew who are like, oh, I'm late going to business school. But I think that's a little bit of, just a little bit of a misconception that it's never too late to kind of change yeah. what you want to do with your life. And I find that personally inspiring as I've yet to find, you know, I'm not running a music label or I'm not doing Beyonce's next homecoming yet. So it's nice to know that there's always time to change and find something new and that you can also, your interests 
and your passions and what you want to do can change. And that I think has given me a lot of freedom in being like, it's okay to not know what you want to do. And it's okay to be like, this is what I want to do now. This is what I want to spend all my effort and time on now while reserving the right to pivot in the future, go back to school, make a big career change. And so she's one of my big, one of my biggest inspirations. Um, And then I think honestly, another one is just, Serena Williams, which I almost feel myself choking up because she just retired. Um, But just, I think, to succeed in a way where it's truly coming from her and she, for a long time in her career, did not have the support of the public and faced a lot of, has always faced a lot of controversy and, you know, like it seems like it's been a lot of an uphill battle. But she does seem to be someone who has just rooted everything back in the work. Like, you know, continuing to go to these... Like, just always, always back on that grind. And I think sometimes our generation gets criticized for, you know, throwing up our hands when things aren't fair. But I think Serena is somebody who has faced a lot of unfairness, but has just been like, okay, I'm just going to go back and work and win and do it all despite. Um, And I feel like sometimes myself, I find myself, you know, maybe wanting to throw up my hands and be like, the system's stacked. I don't want to do this. Like, it's unfair, blah, 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 blah. Rather than just being like, you know what? I might try to succeed in spite of all of these factors. And I think Serena is somebody who, she really embodies that. Um, and yeah, I really, I really look up to her for, for all that. <laughs> Thank you. Wow. Very, very insightful. Yeah. Uh, both, both insights into your the people that inspire you. Now, do you have a favorite quote or best piece of advice that you carry with you? Yeah, honestly, we're going going back to Beyonce. Let's go. She has one quote that it's like, if I could bet on some, I'm not a betting, like I don't gamble, but if I would bet on something, it's myself. And I think we just don't always bet on ourselves. And even with business school, I have a lot of people being like, you know, people who are applying, reaching out, like, was it worth it? And I'm like, it's whether or not it's worth it depends on you are making an investment in yourself. You're literally saying, I'm about to get a lot of debt or spend a lot of money because I believe that I'm going to be able to do this. Yeah. And so that I, I hold that, I hold that close. Cause I feel like we're often willing to bet on other people. Yeah. We're not always as willing to bet on ourselves. Right. Right. And there really is no better investment than that. Oh my so, gosh. Yeah. yeah incredible. This is the section of the podcast which I love. Uh, yeah. It's the gratitude section where Ooh. you kind of just throw out some love and thanks yeah. to the universe, to people who have had that positive impact on your yes. life. Um, in these busy times, we sometimes yeah. forget to just hold space to right. say thank you and I love right. you. So take that Oh time. my God. I guess, honestly, first, all of the other CBS interns at Google, I was blowing up our chat with dumb questions stress questions i think i hit up billy rooney like eight times for like basic accounting and finance like confirm this is what kager is help (laughs) like things like that or like i asked somebody what year over year meant because i thought i knew what it meant but i was like i just didn't want to look stupid so i like truly could not have done it without (laughs) the cbs like crew at google i was so reliant on your help and your guidance um, 
also I'm I was reflecting I'm I've been helping a friend get into school and one of my friends Lucy Montgomery really like read all of my essays talked me off many a ledge like just was truly there for me and she was in school while she was doing it and now I realize what a sacrifice that was on her part to give up that time to help me so just eternally eternally grateful for that those embas those embas all of the embas who helped me like caitlin danielson was like a huge huge help with helping me with google honestly help me with my google interview like really went above and beyond connected me with people who she thought might know more about the area i was interviewing in um and then honestly from just like a friend perspective uh, some of my friends I was living in Boston post-grad um, some of my friends have just been like really great about checking in and being like hey I know that the first you know couple weeks of school are crazy and in theory you're recruiting what's up and that I just am like eternally grateful for because sometimes you don't want to complain and we all know that we're all busy but it's nice to have somebody reach out um what else am I really... Who else do I want to send out some love to? I think that just like then, just like the normal ones, like thankful for my family, thankful for all my friends at CBS, thankful for also all of like the new people that I'm meeting. Um, it just... And thankful for... I feel like the culture on campus right now is a very warm and open one and I that's where that's where I like to be that's where I like to operate so I'm very grateful for everyone who's helping to make that a thing very very beautiful thank you so much for sharing what should someone reach out to you for help about on campus Ooh, reach out to me if you're uh feeling a little bit like fuck this recruiting process because as somebody who was doing tech, media, and sports, which are not on-campus recruiting, I guess, fuck this enterprise recruiting process. And help, I think, I don't want to go back to consulting, but I feel it's siren call. Come to me, because it is tough. It is tough when the banks and the consultants literally hit you up on LinkedIn, they're reaching out to you on Outlook, and you know you don't want to do it, but it seems like a not only a path of less resistance, but perhaps a higher ROI because they make a lot of money. Um, that's where I come in because I found that if you just keep your head down and wait a little bit longer, when it rains, it pours. Those tech, those media, those sports, if you're in VC, like that's when those, those other enterprise recruiting offers come through and I can be your support system for that. Um, I also think what's another thing that I reach out to me on campus for hmm. I, that's my big one or if you just need a laugh I, I feel like I pride myself on being someone who could make people smile and laugh so if you're having a bad day come to me I, I'll, I can I can minimize, not, I shouldn't say minimize any problem but I can find the humor in a lot of problems and make you laugh you know, kind of in a, in some of those gray situations. <laughs> Incredible. Yes, I can attest to that. And yeah. I hope people do indeed take you up on those offers. Very, very kind. Thank you so much for sharing. So finally, final yeah. question of the pod. Please give us three book recommendations or show Ooh. or movie. Okay. Keeping it open. Three recommendations. Mm, okay. Four books. 
I would say Joan Didion slouching towards Bethlehem. So she she recently passed away, but she was a reporter, and it is a bunch of article or I guess journalists. I don't really know what the distinction is, but it is a collection of some of her pieces that she wrote in the '60s mm-hmm. in California, San Francisco area. I just fully was not aware of everything that was going on. It she covers some of the hippie movement, some of the um, like a lot of the drought and the, just just there was a lot of there was a lot going on in California in the 60s and the 70s and a lot of her pieces do a fabulous way of covering it and are just so interesting in these like micro pictures of what's going on and it she has a wonderful prose style and yeah so that I would say great read um shows the bear on net on Hulu FX I loved it it's a, I would say like a gritty, like dark intense. comedy, intense, <laughs> about a kitchen, takes this Michelin star chef to this, you know, hole in the wall Chicago restaurant. But I love the story arc. It's a few episodes. If you can get through the first episode, which is like pretty intense, and you can handle the, it's a very anxiety inducing show. I love that story. And then the last I'll, I'll, I'll switch up mediums. Um, I'll go for podcast. Nice. Uh, my favorite podcast these days is called All Fantasy Everything. It is a comedy podcast. It's like these three guys and they fantasy draft random things, like crazy categories. Like one was like liquids and they'll do like a snake draft of liquids. And so it's everything from like somebody drafted mercury because it's just so fucking cool. And someone's like water, like what are you kidding? You're not gonna take water? Water's a first round draft pick. It like, we need it to survive. So it's like things from like liquids to, um, they also did one that was like uh, disses in song lyrics. Like it really spans, spans the gamut and it's hilarious. And it's, yeah, just a great breath of just nonsense podcast. So yeah, those are my three. Thank you so much. Yeah. Oh my goodness, great recommendations. I mean, I just want to say thank you so much for agreeing to be on the podcast. Thanks for sharing your energy today. Oh, and, for having you me. Know, um, throughout your time at CBS, uh, you're, you're such a great presence to have on campus. We're lucky to have you. All I have to say is thank you and the final words <gasps> are yours. I Well, I guess my final word should be thank you so much and too, I feel like you have the perfect podcasting voice and cadence. I was sitting here like, gosh, I hope I, I hope I'm matching GT's level of no filler words and rhythm. And um, okay, but I guess my final words are, yeah, thank you to everyone who's listening. And yeah, hit me up if you want any AV advice and you don't know how to get the TV working in your Airbnb. <laughs> Lavender skies in a blur Tell me when you're getting off work today Tell me when you wanna see a girl today Hop up in the whip and